I walked in this morning, I was pretty sure what I was going to do. I wanted to at least give them the chance to prove me wrong. It didn't happen. That hearing went pretty much exactly like I anticipated it would go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about what we do at chicagojustice.org or get involved at cjpnation.org. That's our activism website. Find all kinds of contact information if you want to get involved. So what are we talking about today? Our main segment is Ding Dong, the witch is dead. Although he's not really dead, he is no longer a police officer. John 50, FOP President John Cotanzara is no longer a Chicago police officer. He resigned on Tuesday after a Monday police board hearing went, well, like it should. And he didn't want how it should because, well, we'll get into that. If you want more information about John Cotanzara, remember we published a report on Mr. Cotanzara titled Cotanzara, 23 Years of Misconduct, Complaints, and Social Media Controversies. It's on our website. You can see it's cited on last week tonight, a few weeks back. If you're interested also in all the links will be this to this um i will have the links to the report and whatever else we're talking about today on our website when the pod gets posted we also have a previous pod with an interview with lauren cole the intern who wrote that report for us also on our website will be the link or to the post will be a link to the police board charges against mr Cotanzara that we'll be going over later in this segment Kanzara, like I said, resigned Tuesday after a Monday police board hearing went very, very bad for him. And actually, we don't know exactly how bad um, as those are open to the public, but not um, accessible video or audio. So we don't really know what happened. My assumption is what happened is it went like it would go because one, he's guilty of the allegations against them. Why? Because we know we have it. Why? Because they have the evidence. We have the evidence. We know he's guilty. Clearly, Katanzar was one of the worst cops in Chicago. In his 23 years of being a police officer, I think now it's up to 27 with his time in the FOP, he had 50 complaints against him. 50, ladies and gentlemen, mostly, or I should say mostly, many from internal sources. That's right, ladies, internal sources. Cops, other cops and supervisors complaining about him. They continuously and routinely throughout his career broke the blue wall of silence to, to sign complaints about how bad he was. He resigned according to the video from the FOP, I mean, from the FOP's YouTube channel that you heard in the intro here. Well, that Lori Lightfoot could not, Mayor Lori Lightfoot could not say she got him fired. This is a common tactic to guilty officers. That's why it's a little hard to just look at like number of cases filed with the police board and number of guilty verdicts, because the reality is many officers resign. Because they're guilty, they know they have the evidence and they know they don't want the fact that he was, that they were fired on their job history. So they resign. Now, Tanzara says he did solely because Lightfoot could, you know, Lightfoot couldn't say he was fired and because there was a fix. 
everything is fixed against the man. When this history seems like a white, straight officer with a license to kill, which is what police officers are, uh, position with extreme power in our communities, in our city, and somehow he's aggrieved. This is the same guy, if you go read that report, that dodged firing twice. Twice they previously tried to fire him and he survived. But there was a massive conspiracy against him. It's alt-right thinking. There's no doubt about it. This is just how it goes. And this isn't aggrieved that a, a, a way of thinking about being aggrieved basically that started, I think, in the 1980s at least, if not earlier, but it's been slowly gaining ground in America. And it's white men who want to have a society that doesn't challenge their ways of thinking. They have a worldview, they have a political view, they have a view on gender, on race and everything else, and they have the answers and no one shall challenge it. The great hypocrisy of John Contanzara is he took a job that gave him great power to enforce laws created by the legislature upon society. And he was there to enforce them. He had no problem doing that. And he wanted no one ever to question the methods he did it, the people he was enforcing the laws against and or political leaders who are designed in our, in our society to have power over him, right? And, and a prosecutor's office or courts or the Department of Corrections there are all checks and balances within the system that he willfully signed up to be part of, but he doesn't want any of them to have the ability to question him. He doesn't think that's right. He's white, he's straight, he's male, he's right. Unchallengeable, unquestionable. If you're talking about fascism and fascist thinking, that's it. This is the epitome of it. We're going to talk in an upcoming podcast about, and we talked a little bit about it in a, on our social media show, about um, you know cops linked to alt-right groups, the Oath Keepers, et cetera. People think this is new. I think Trump probably accelerated it, but it's not new. Policing for a long time has then been enforcing laws against people of color. Not entirely, but mostly. And enforcing laws against the poor. And enforcing laws against those who, with the power, think they should be enforced upon. That means the political enemies or um, enemies of friends of the people in power. That's just the way it's been. It's the way it goes. It's an American tradition. So, Let's get to some a little bit of detail about the charges around John Catanzara. On our website will be a link to, or you can go look up for yourself, his charges at cpbinfocenter.org. It's our police board transparency site. You can go and just type in John Catanzara into the search and it will come up. So will his other two cases, by the way, if you want to look into those. But let's just talk today about what Mr. Catanzara was charged with. So I'm going to go over the various rules, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. He's accused of 12 rule violations and 
all but two have multiple counts. Now, just for a little context, some of these rules, if you dig into the content, so you know some rule eight violations, there are six counts. What is rule eight? Disrespect to or maltreatment of any person while on or off duty. Some of those counts, six counts, may be repeated for a different rule violation. But I just so you give you a little context. Rule eight, six counts, disrespect or maltreatment to a person while on or off duty. Rule 53, one count, participating in encouraging, participate, encouraging the participation of others or otherwise supporting any strike, demonstration, slowdown, or other such concerted action against the department. That's his protests. And he was organizing against the vaccine mandate. Rule 42, one count, participating in any partisan political campaign or activity. Rule 32, four counts, engaging in any public statements, interviews, activity, deliberations, discussions pertaining to the police department, which reasonably can be foreseen to impair the discipline of efficiency, public service, or public confidence in the department or its personnel by a false statement or reckless unsupported accusations. B, the use of defamatory language, abusive language, ineffective, or invective, or epithets. Go to our website and look up the report we have on Katanzara. You will get access to some of his social media posts. And trust me, <laughs> they violate that rule. Rule 14, two counts. These are lies. Making a false report, written or oral. Rule 11, two counts. Incompetency or inefficiency in the performance of their duty. Rule 10, two counts. Inattention to duty. Rule 7, two counts. Insubordination or dis disrespect towards a supervisory member on or off duty. Rule six, 17 counts, disobe disobedience of an order or directive, whether written or oral. Rule four, two counts, any conduct or action taken to use the official position or for personal gain or influence. Rule three, 15 counts, any failure to promote the department's efforts to implement its policy or accomplish its goals. Rule two, 18 counts, any action or conduct which impedes the department's efforts to achieve its policy and goals or brings discredit upon the department. Now, if you go and read our website and go look at the report that Lauren wrote up so eloquently, and then you look at these charges, how in the world did, and I think he's lying, I think he's being distruthful, this is for sure. But I think Kanzar knew he was gonna resign right from the start, and he wanted to see if there was some way the first police board hearing went well, that he thought he might be able to save his job, then he would do it. Well, I was about to say, how in the world can he think he was going to keep his job? I'm quite sure, certain he was told he wasn't going to. I'm quite certain he was told by his lawyers that he wasn't going to keep his job. And um, he just wanted to see how the first day went. And before it went to any decision, um, he would resign, which is exactly what he did. Um, it's just really amazing. So what, what do we get? And we've heard a little bit about John, uh, John's 50s plans. So to just clarify something. As best as we can tell currently, John Catanzara can stay as the president of the FOP because as the regulations read, you have to be an active sworn officer of the department in good standing at the time you run for office. Now, how can someone with 50 compliance over 23 years be said to be in good standing? Anyone's guess, but come on, it's the FOP in Chicago. It don't take a lot, right? So he can hold office, allegedly, until the end of his term, which I think is sometime next year, if I'm not mistaken. 
So what is John 50 with no job going to do? What's his next play to stay relevant and stay in the media? Well, he's going to run for mayor. Yep. At least that's what he says. It's a smart move him because the media is so stupid that they're not going to put the context every time, every time he does a campaign event or he gives a speech or any of that stuff. They're going to quote him without giving the context around him. 50 complaints, 23 years, many from internal sources. He's a horrible, horrible cop. His text, his text, his social media posts that we have seen, that we got through the FOIA and that make up some of these charges, they display racist thinking, xenophobic thinking, homophobic thinking, trans bias, misogyny. I'm not sure if I left out one of the isms. Man, they, they, they display all of that. He's got all of it. He represents a small but vocal minority of the FOP, but a large enough to get elected. And something we always knew was there. I think Donald Trump put it, accelerated a little bit, allowed some of the more quiet but militant lunatic extremist alt-writers to display their way of thinking that used to be much more ostracized than it is now. So he won office. And this is who we're dealing with. So you're in for, let's see, I think Lori's term is up February of 23. I got that right in my head. So that means if he does indeed run and he doesn't get, get some money and he can stay relevant-ish and the media keeps not doing their job, which they're very, very good at, you're going to get, we're up for what, 15 months of them. And if God forbid he gets into a runoff more, I think he's going to get clobbered. Now, why do I think that? The closest person to him that any relevance in the last election was Paul Vallis. Not bad, too bad on the financials, but he is such an alt writer when it comes to supporting the police. If Paul Vallis jumps in and somehow convinces John to drop out, there's a possibility John may drop if Vallis jumps in. But ladies and gentlemen, Vallis in the last mayoral election took ninth. I don't even know most of the people that were ahead of him. I can tell you one that was, Bob Fioretti. Some of you listening may not even know who that is anymore, but he was an alderman, two terms, got redistricted out of a seat and then uh, ran for state Senate, Cook County board president, mayor a couple of times, almost always getting absolutely crushed. We'll see what his next one is. He may run for mayor again, but when you when you get at the ninth seat, you're not if that you're not you don't have a shot at winning the next mayoral election. If Vallis runs again, he's going to get crushed. If John Cotanzaro runs, to the best of my thinking, he's going to get crushed. The reality is, his whole social media um, history is going to come out. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, he also what I haven't mentioned yet about his history, he supported the January sixth rioters, the insurrection. He supported it. He said that on the day of or the morning after, I didn't see anything wrong with that. 
people think they're, you know, they have good reason to think their election was rigged. I mean, he is a alt-right Trumper. He he's totally supports the election. And he's such an alt-right Trumper that what did his, um, let's go Brandon, I think is the expression, which basically means fuck, fuck you, fuck Joe Biden, fuck Joe Biden. That was on his resignation papers. That's how much of an alt-righter he is. That ain't winning. Now, let me just also remind you, John Zara, when I think it was about time to run for FOP president, it seems like the evidence points to the fact that he cleared his Twitter history once it started becoming an issue. When do I say that? I think his last earliest post is like 2014. And it said anywhere from three years or multiple years before that. He joined and it's completely clean, not a single post. Impossible. Not, not for this guy. So we'll see if that comes back up, if that's actually, uh, if that's actually um, gone. I'm sure it's in a database somewhere. We're going to pay attention, more attention. We're filing FOIAs to get more of his uh, history, uh, his disciplinary history and his misconduct history from the uh, Department of Internal Affairs. So stay tuned on that. Our next segment. It's, so police. it's such a police thing. Man spotted with AR-15 outside Kyle Rittenhouse trial confirms he is a fired Ferguson police officer. Now, one would say, why did he drive from Missouri to Kenosha to protest the Rittenhouse prosecution? He is a Rittenhouse fan. That is very interesting. Although, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't drive in from it from Missouri. He flew in as far as I, oh no, he must've drove in because he's got a Maserati and I think that's his car. He drove in from Arizona. He, dro- he lives in Arizona now. He drove in from Arizona to by himself with his dog to protest the Kyle Rittenhouse prosecution. Yep, yep, yep. Now the interesting thing is we all know if Kyle Rittenhouse was black and walked in with that gun, he'd have been dead. There would be no prosecution because his body'd be in the ground. So let's look at the article. It's a Tribune article. A man who screamed obscenities about Black Lives Matter and carried an AR-15 rifle outside the Kenosha County Courthouse while the Kyle Rittenhouse jury deliberated is a former Ferguson, Missouri police officer, he confirmed Thursday. Of course he is. Another white, probably straight, aggrieved white cop. What is it with these lunatics? What has so changed in their world? I just don't get it. I also don't get why Rittenhouse was doing what he did. I mean, the jury's on, as I'm recording this, they're starting their fourth day of deliberation. So it seems like they're taking it seriously. I thought for sure he'd get off in a couple hours, but hey, let's see what happens. I don't understand what Rittenhouse was doing. If that turns out to be legal, it's, it's mind boggling, right? This cop, he's standing up for the oppressed white straight males of the world. We're assuming straight, I have no idea but it certainly seems like fitting. It's the profile there. Back to the article. Records show the man who initially identified himself as Maserati Mike is Jesse Klein. 
wait for it here, wait for it, who has been a member of the Ferguson Police Department for three years, who had been a member, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Klein was fired from the Ferguson Police Department in 2018. We knew that was coming. Wait for it. Wait what he did. After being charged with stalking a woman and threatening her male companion by poking his chest with a handgun. Yep. Now, why did I think, why am I not shocked that this guy's got prosecuted or fired? He probably didn't get prosecuted because the couple refused to cooperate with the investigation. They should have. They should have thrown his ass in jail. They left him out to go shoot someone else. That was a mistake. I mean, I understand why victims don't do it, but society needed this guy in jail. Okay. So here is someone who was so obsessed with the Rittenhouse trial, he drove from Arizona to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Am I shocked that he got another, he's involved in other criminal activity related to being obsessed with people? Not at all. What did he yell? The part of the first morning he was there? Klein spent part of the morning yelling, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. And screaming, I guess, fuck BLM. You cannot make this shit up with these people. It's impossible. It's unbelievable. You can see the cotton czars of the world are not alone. This guy drove from Arizona to Kenosha to walk around with a gun. Now the cops, instead of arresting him, which is what they should have done. They should have locked him up. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. And they would have, if he was black or brown, they probably would have killed him. They told Mr. Klein that, hey, um, you're within a thousand feet of the school with a weapon. You need a permit. And if you don't have a permit, I think it's at least a misdemeanor. So they told him to put the gun away. And he did. And I'm fine with that if that's applied equally. If Mr. Klein was Mr. Washington, or Mr. Torres, or Mr. Diaz, or Mr. Patel, that would not have happened. They definitely would have arrested a person if not shot, started a conflict and started to kill them. 100%. They would have not have been so forthcoming, oh, please, sir, just put your weapon away so we don't have to arrest you. They would have just arrested him at the minimum. But here are back-to-back stories of just crazy, white, aggrieved cops. It's unbelievable when you look at the connections across the country. We're doing research on police salaries. We're going to show you how well CPD is paid. We're doing it on staffing. We have a lot of exciting research coming out. If you want to get involved, once again, cjpnation.org. We'd love to have you involved. We got people helping us fundraise, doing uh, crowdsource research projects. All of that is ongoing. We'd really love it if you want to get involved and you jump in. If you want to help us market this podcast and our research into the media, we'd love that also. We need help doing data analysis. We need help with all kinds of things web development, database building, any of that, hit us up at cjpnation.org and uh, we'll help you jump in. Okay, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week with the next installment. We got to talk about the rise and fall of Jack Daniels Committee. 
how a DC police lodge made thousands selling whiskey. Yes, that is the next story. Another police union gone bad, not knowing the law. Could you imagine cops not knowing the law? Surprising when they don't know the law, but yet they're in, set with enforcing all the laws. Unbelievable. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next. Oh, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great day. Oh,